Welcome back to the Fleet Navigator podcast. Before we start today's podcast in relation to this week's budget, we should probably say a few words on the ongoing COVID-19 outbreak. It's obviously affecting communities across the globe and we're operating in an increasingly dynamic market. This week's budget um, was a reflection on how serious the government is taking the outbreak. We will obviously go through some of the financials during the course of the budget, but both Carolyn and I wanted just to say a few words beforehand to say that our sympathies are with those families who are struggling, who are in isolation, and our thoughts are with you. Welcome back to the Fleet Navigator podcast, your go-to GPS for all fleet matters. I'm once again joined by Caroline. Morning, Caroline. Good morning. (laughs) And we are going to be talking to you this morning about this week's budget. So Rishi Sunak stood up, told everybody he was going to get things done on more than one occasion during the course of his speech. And we will step you through some of the announcements that were made, uh, but especially those announcements that affect fleet. So initial thoughts. Well, it was an interesting one, let's face it. I think when we um, sat down and we read the first edition, there was quite a lot of good news. I would say it was one of the better budgets that we've seen in probably in our careers. So in terms of getting long-term certainty over the tax tables, ongoing support for EV, charging, etc. And then we had the supplementary notes and follow-up, which, let's face it, not beat around the bush it was hugely disappointing to have a staged release and I just wish they could have just put it all in the initial bulletin and given us clarity um, straight away so yes that was hugely disappointing to me and very disappointing I think it was done uh, let's let's be honest we'll say it up front and get it out of the way I think it was done in a very underhand manner um, so those those of you that don't know so generally what happens with the budget obviously the Chancellor makes his major statements um, and the minute he sits back down the red book is released online on the government portals which is generally about 185-200 pages of um, delightful reading for those that need to interpret it and bear it away and there are the bodies basically in terms of what they're really going to be doing how they're really going to be funding and that red book was very clear um, around the EV grant was going to continue until 2022 which was fantastic news I know me personally um, I went in to see our commercial director and our managing director with the news which was very well received and then at close of business after everybody had gone home they released the supplementary notes onto the OLEV portal the Office of Low Emission Vehicles wasn't even on the government website making the announcement that yes the grant was continuing but it would be cut from three and a half thousand to three thousand pounds and vehicles over fifty thousand pounds would no longer qualify so all of a sudden we were we were into a, a different scenario uh, later that evening and into the following day and then of course supplementary notes came through the following morning announcing that the home charge grant was also going to be cut from 500 to 350 pounds nothing in the budgetary statements and it, it it just causes no end of challenges and i think the fact that the announcement was made after the close of after the close of business with a deadline of 11:59 later that evening to get grants into the olive portal was was really very very poor yeah and again as we said hugely disappointing because it seemed to be such a good news message and i think we all felt quite deflated and i say rather let down that mm. they've changed the goalposts and and particularly with such short notice of making a change that came into effect merely hours later from an operational perspective it's caused the industry no end of pain mm. 
and we and we should reflect that whilst it it, it causes challenges for us as leasing companies the, the biggest challenge is is for you our customers and for you our drivers where you know it, it can sometimes take dealers anything up to 48 hours to make applications on the OLEV portals so even though they're able to push orders through the manufacturers you know there's a process to apply for the grant and it means that orders that may be in flight need to be cancelled and requoted it means that quotations need to be pulled drivers need to requote all of a sudden vehicles become more expensive as as the grant can't be passed through the normal channels so it has caused a significant amount of disruption at a time when everybody is trying to get used to wltp adding insult to injury adding insult to injury good expression <laughs> but overall um from from a budgetary perspective it was very very positive I don't I can't remember a budget where there seems to be such a reversal in terms of um, austerity to spend. Yes, you know, the, the, he had to make some funds available to combat the on, ongoing coronavirus uh, spread, which he did. It was very much a, a, a budget to provide the NHS with the funds, anything that they need, basically. But an, an unprecedented level of spend across all industry sectors I, th- I think it was it, it was tremendous to see and you know it's it's as we sat and we were listening to to what rishi was was saying it, there is the concern around where all this money is going to come from and yes it's a you know it's a bold statement the release of funds is fantastic for all of the different initiatives let's see how that pans out it's going to be in, an interesting 12 to 24 months um to see what impact those measures those positive measures actually take yeah i think they're just it's basically going to be a 37 billion pound overdraft from from all measures which you know we 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 have to accept and and the obr which is the office of budget responsibility um which is the office that informs the chancellor and monitors some of these things you know their their growth statements um in terms of the, the, the way they see uh, the forecast and the way they they make their observations, which in, informs the budget. You know, we needed to invest. It was time to invest, and, and he's done exactly that. Um, we will put some supplementary notes on insights.leaseplan.co.uk um, in terms of some of the graphs, etc., because graphs don't make for good podcasts. Um, so I'm informed. So we should probably move on really and, and really delve into what did the budget mean for motorists because we knew it was going to be a big one. It had to be a big one. You know, we're we're less than six weeks away from the new financial year without a finance bill, without a red book in place. So some of the things that were in the draft bills last year needed to be ratified in the red book. But I don't think anybody could have expected the news on some of the areas, you know, accepting that he took away with the with the right hand slightly later once he'd given with his left but it was very very positive so let's let's start with the big one let's start with company car tax so the the big and best bit of news is the long-term tables because we've been asking and asking and asking for this for for many years um, and we've never got it Um, so we now have tables taking us through the 2024 tax year that's great news on its own and it gives certainty for anybody that is in the process upcoming renewals um, looking at longer term cycles if you think in previous years we've had drivers going into four-year deals not knowing what their final year tax was going to be so from a driver's perspective you you know what you're 
getting into. And that is really, really positive. And not forgetting, of course, that for for you from a customer level, the company car tax rates are directly related to the amount of national insurance contributions that you'll pay. And to and to put it into into some context, so the the, the news on EVs going to 0% for April was roundly welcomed and so it should be but in in terms of those tables they've also frozen the company car tax levels at the 2022 rate that sounds a little complicated but if you think about an ev at 0% in 2020 that tax rate changes and increases to 1% and then 2% in 2022 but they're holding those rates in 2022 across all vehicles so in 2023 it'll be 2% and in 2024 it'll be 2% so not only long-term certainty but they also haven't followed previous budgets where they've simply increased it year on year by one two or even three percent so if you think that in 2019 your ev went up to 16 percent that now dropped to naught and you'll be paying no more than two percent for the next five years which is just just fantastic news and it's only going to encourage more people accepting that we're still crunching the numbers on the impact of the grant and um, how that's going to affect whole life cost rates etc etc but for company car drivers, that BIK position is a really positive one. So so yes, they know um, what the rates are going to be, but they know that it's going to be frozen. So that is nothing but good news. It's absolutely fantastic. And yes, we are still crunching the numbers in terms of what that grant looks like, um, because it's a it's a slightly it's not a, it's not an any more slightly it's not a any more complex calculation than it was this time last week or in previous years however the £50,000 cap has made that the calculation is now complex because it's all it, it includes levels of discounts um, without options including VAT so the, th- the thing we're wrestling with at the moment and we're still lobbying the office of low emission vehicles and indeed the BVRLA British Vehicle Rental and Leasing Association I can hear Andy's bell in my in my headphones to for clarity because you could end up in a situation where the same customer in a dual supply with different leasing companies or from indeed from customer to customer quoting on let's say a £55,000 Tesla depending on the level of discounts you get you may or may not get the grant for the same vehicle that cannot be right that cannot be fair this is a government fund that has been made available and it should not be anything to do with the levels of negotiations that that companies are able to or not able to make and further complicated again very very good news we've obviously got we've we've got the VED rates through and they have also waived the expensive car charge at £40,000 for electric vehicles which is great news so again we've got this dynamic on the grants we've got the VED rates which have been unfrozen which is the slight fly in the ointment so they have they've gone up by CPI or um, consumer pricing index which is which is marginal so it's 3% across the board but again we've got to work out what this this sweet spot means between 40 50k so good news on the on the VED rates as well. So um, slightly tempered by the fact that they have been unfrozen and have now gone up by uh, CPI or the Consumer Pricing Index, which is about um, 3.1%. So it, it's not a huge increase. Um, the removal of the £40,000 expensive car uh, 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 penalty, which is about £315 a year um, for re- electric vehicles, for zero rated vehicles, is tremendous news makes it slightly more complicated to work out so further good news as well um on pure duty caroline 
Yes, so there was huge speculation that the freeze on fuel duty would be um, lifted um, or considerably adapted. Um, that is now not happening, so the fuel duty freeze remains for another 12 months. I think it's reasonable to expect that there'll be further changes and government consultations on, on that, but for the short term, we again, we have that certainty that it's frozen. Yeah, and it's an interesting one because the we've talked about this in previous podcasts and we should we should probably raise it again because we are expecting consultation papers to come out this year on how is it that the government can maintain the levels of duty and taxation that they currently get from fossil fuels um so again just to just to reiterate every time you fill up your car approximately you know 68 70% is is duty and tax that's a phenomenal amount of money to be replaced as electric vehicles become more and more commonplace and particularly as the government is still talking about 2032 moves for new registrations to be non um, internal combustion engine and hybrids so the question of what do we do and how do we fill that gap needs to be answered and needs to be answered pretty quickly certainly some of the meetings that i've sat in with different statisticians and treasury people they are talking about how they migrate towards a more obvious pay on use style of system even though you could say that currently we're paying on use because every time you put fuel in your vehicle <laughs> you're paying a hefty amount of, of duty but moved more towards um, tolling and road usage charging we've got the technology in existence and as cars get replaced and be newer that will become easier but they were very open in those meetings in saying that it's a massive vote loser so i think there's a, a huge journey for government to go on to make that concept palatable to the general public and clearly they're going to have to do it in stages look at different phases but that's the way that it will end up and whether that's 10 years or 20 years but it will happen it has to happen and i think technologically i think you're right if you if you think currently about number plate recognition technology, which is on all of our main arterial roads now, the, the technology is there. So that's a, that's a, a capture system that time date stamps against registration plates. The, the, the infrastructure is there to join it up and form some form of road user tolling technology is relatively straightforward, relatively being the, the, the operative word there. But yeah, I mean, I've sat in some of the same meetings that you have, these all parliamentary groups that, that, that get formed and think tanks that, that, that come together. And the government know that any government that proposes it in a manifesto will lose an election. And a government that's in power that brings it in will be out of power at the next one because it is f phenomenally divisive. So we've talked a little bit about the electric vehicle side. We talked about the £50,000 limit and, and the complexities. We should probably just be very very clear on what that means so this this 50,000 so the grant has been removed for vehicles that cost in inverted commas 50,000 pounds or more the calculation hasn't changed so the calculation of a definition of purchase price is definitely includes number plates vehicle excise duty and VAT um, you apply the calculation after any discounts that have been applied by manufacturers or by dealers or by any supplier and the, the, the complexity that has been made is the £50,000 limit and where it's now applied. 
and the fact that you're applying it after discounts means that vehicles that are on the periphery and i am looking at you tesla 3 there aren't many that are in that band they're either well below or above means that le different levels of discounts for different lease codes for different customers for different people out there could move a vehicle into or out of the, the the actual grant status at 50k which simply does not seem fair when it's nothing to do that pot that money is nothing to do with the leasing company and you can almost see some fairly underhand tactics coming into play with less reputable providers perhaps where dealers are being asked to levy more discount at a vehicle just to sneak it in and there's some form of invoice and credit note in the background and it's it's creating that situation where that can happen which you know that does go against a lot of the plans and intentions of of government of trying to make things fair and if you look at what happened post dieselgate etc you know it, this isn't in the spirit of the way that we're trying to shape the industry so it'll be interesting to see how government reacts to the challenges that we're putting back to them at the moment um, to find a better way that doesn't create a, a potential loophole or or encourage that kind of behavior absolutely and and to be very straightforward i think everything that i've seen the conversations that i've had this week um, on a number of budgetary groups have been very clear that everybody would support list price including vat but not including options that seems to be a a very sensible way to to do this it doesn't move from initial scans it doesn't move vehicles that are already under 50k into the over 50k bracket but it just means that the the, the playing field is leveled and it's very very clear for everybody that which vehicles are and which vehicles aren't based from a quoting systems perspective and from any negotiations that people are doing. So we should also talk about um, some further good news for electric vehicles. Uh, Rishi Sunak announced that the government will invest an extra 500 million. So we've we've talked about numbers before. We've seen big numbers for infrastructure in, in into the billions. But this is an identifiable pot of 500 million pounds over the next five years, so it's a time-bound announcement as well, to deliver the manifesto pledge that drivers of electric vehicles will never be further than 30 miles from a rapid charging station. Again, another piece of great news, and I think for those that still have those concerns around charging, better access to rapid charges is absolutely critical in switching people and transitioning fleets over to EVs particularly for those who may be unable to charge at home. It's absolutely critical to making a success of, of this transition. So I welcome that. I want to see the detail yeah. as to what is actually going to happen and when it's going to happen. But yeah, that's that's a decent pot of money for something that is so important. It's so needed. It's what drivers and fleets are, are demanding. Um, and that is the key to unlocking vast ways of people transitioning into ev agreed I, I i want to look at the plan as well um in conjunction with the 2032 announcements they've talked about charging hubs um it'll be interesting to see how they look at population densities versus number of charging points it'd be very easy to simply for, for my my personal village of frampton cottrell in north bristol be very easy just to put a rapid charger in the middle of frampton cottrell and say there you go nobody's any more than 30 miles away from a charge point well 
depending on the number of cars, populations, age, you know, th- th- that's, a, that's a big piece of maths and mapping that needs to be done to make that a reality across the UK. And we're seeing from other countries that have a, a higher adoption rate than us at the moment that those charging stations and charging hubs are starting to become really, really busy. So finding ways to make charging a simpler easier experience for drivers um, is incredibly important and having the right charge points in the right places as you said so there needs to be some real intelligence and sophistication applied to these plans to make sure it works and of course it's good that we have an intelligent and sophisticated government in power to, to, to take that forward total faith absolutely so infrastructure as a whole um this is a 27 billion pound program for improving the country's road network this isn't just a pothole fund although the words pothole and fund were put together again in this year's budget this is you know real new high quality dual carriageways bypasses some of the works that have been talked about on the a303 which seem to get a, a, a huge round of applause in parliament which is i gather is just a tunnel under stonehenge yeah isn't it i think i think it is yeah. uh, clearly the minister clearly the ministers use the a303 more than anybody else um which is which, surprising given the the number of speed cameras that are down it but clearly you know if you drive the right speed limit it's not, it's a, problem. not a problem for us. um but the investment is needed. So the new pothole fund was £500 million a year over the next five years. Um, I'm assuming they'll be mending potholes as they put in rapid charging stations to have economies of work, but um, we'll, we'll have to wait and see for that. But that is also welcome because, I don't know about you guys out there, our navigator, our navigator podcasters, you know, the, the, the state of the roads at the moment is appalling. I mean, I was on lane, in lane one of the M4 between the M32 and the M5 interchange last night, Almondsbury interchange, and it was appalling. I was having to swerve to avoid some very, very large holes in lane one, and the the M4 is by no means the worst affected. Oh, we both travel along the M4 very frequently, mm-hmm. and some parts of it have just got enormous potholes in them and you think you know our cars are fairly decent but i certainly want wouldn't want to be driving around in my old car well i did suffer a, a pothole incident you in did, my old car you? and it was um oh it's just irritating it's inconvenient and you know borderline dangerous in some circumstances but yeah the state of some of our roads is is absolutely dreadful so it's going to be interesting to see again how they apply that so it's one thing to fill it in but they should be filling it in in a way that then it doesn't unfill itself within the next six to 12 months which we quite often see and whether they're going to again apply some of that money to research and development um, to make those repairs longer lasting and i think as well they i would I would urge government and and the think tanks to really think about what future transport needs. What I would not want to see is is the £27 billion to be spent and then more money have to be spent digging up the improvements of the road to install newer technologies such as charging lanes for electric vehicles uh, and, and thinking about... The, the the next step which will be inevitably will be autonomous so spend some of the money thinking about real thought about what the future looks like do not just dig up a large section of the m4 to put a smart motorway in by 2022 yes i'm looking at you reading to slough um 
and and then have to change that because new technology is coming along we ha we have to spend the money wisely and think about what we are actually going to need for the next 20 to 25 years which means we're going to be in a very different position to that which we're in today and we know that we're going to have more vehicles that need to be charged we know that there's a lot of new technology coming that will make that easier um you know doing away with cables ultimately so you're absolutely right we need to have that investment in the more sophisticated future looking side of it um in order to make this all work and everybody loves a league table um to put it in some context uh, in its global competitiveness report the world economic forum ranked the uk as the 36th best country for the quality of its road infrastructure and would you believe it? you you can look at that and see some of the big ones so behind japan no surprise there but behind spain and behind france i'm lucky to have enough to have driven in spain and france and that's a surprise yeah you wouldn't expect those two countries to be 11th and 18th and we're 36th. Indeed. Um, so we should also turn our, turn our attention to business allowances. So this is this is the very um, this is probably the driest part of the budget because we do need to talk about corporation tax um, and and how it's applied to special rate pools and normal rate pools because there has been a significant change. Um, so from April 21. Um, first year allowances have been extended only to zero emission vehicles rather than ULEV, so at the moment, and we've got some numbers here, so at the moment vehicles under 75 grams, so the ULEV category, are able to get first year um, full writing down allowances against those vehicles. That is changing from April 21 next year and 100% first year capital allowances will be available only for zero emission vehicles. There's also changes to the main um, allowance pools and that has now been dropped from 110, which is where it is at the moment, to 50 grams. That is a very substantial change and actually means that there's a number of ULEVs, that current ultra-low emission vehicles, that won't sit in their categories. And for those of you that are, that are new to fleet or haven't looked at the taxation stuff behind the scenes before, that means that vehicles that are below the 50 grams will be able to apply their writing down allowances of 18 percent as the above you know below the 110 did before but vehicles that are over 50k will only be able to apply that six percent now to put that in context this goes back to the changes in 2009-10 where companies continue to write down vehicles after disposal the difference between those two pools is somewhere between it's about 20 25 years to write off a vehicle in the normal pool and it's something like 50 to 60 to write it off these vehicles above 50 grand so it's 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 a really huge piece and it's something that we need to think about so for those of you that are purchasers out there that, that buy their vehicles and have them on their balance sheet means you need to continue to account for these vehicles for for longer which affects things like gearing ratios investment portfolio ratios all of those exciting things that um, financial fleet consultants such as caroline and i could spend hours talking about um we're, we're particularly fun at parties so we but we, it needs to be considered because it also applies to leasing companies so leasing companies such as ourselves will pass on those additional costs of accounting for those vehicles 
in one shape, way or form. So w essentially what it means in a nutshell is vehicles that are above 50 grams a kilometre from April 2021 will simply become more expensive from a whole life cost perspective. And that's just one of the many things that's going to impact that whole life cost picture for fleets. You think that's changing, you know, the behind the scenes financial things. Um, we've got changes in grants. There's a lot of moving parts here that, that will impact that monthly cost. So it's going to be interesting when we've crunched all those numbers just to see what impact it's going to make on the vehicles that people are typically ordering at the moment. But to also to be able to say what vehicles it could push people towards with these sorts of changes. So thinking now and turning our attention to commercial vehicles so we 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 we've talked very generally about the budget and and the some of the effects that this have had so it's important because commercial vehicles are coming under focus over the course of this year for a number of reasons so the first thing to say is that from uh, from an elect from a plug-in car grant perspective there are no changes for, for commercial vehicles so they continue as is the only changes have been made to passenger cars however it should be said that we are expecting and it was in the red book that there will be a consultation document now specifically on vehicle excise duty for vans um, it's interesting because this is the second consultation document that's been issued um, i'm not sure what what different things the industry will be playing back to government but this is about making sure they get it right. So actually, I, I, I welcome the fact that they're still scratching their heads a little on this one and that they're coming back out to ask again in terms of what we need to do for vans. And it's it's interesting if you look back over previous years around the consultation documents that have come out and what's happened after that. That in itself is interesting that they come back out a second time. Some of those consultation papers in the past have worked well, others less well. I'm looking Fair at you, say, opera. Opera <laughs> springs to mind. Um, so let's hope that that is signalling that they are listening and they're starting to explore some concepts and, and looking for for guidance and, and opinion. Let's hope so, at least. And they, they do seem to be listening. Um, it, it, it was it was disappointing the way that the grant situation was handled, as, as we've already said, and we, we, we won't say too much more on that. But they have listened. We all we all campaigned for an extension to the to the plugging grant, and were insistent that it had to continue to make sure that the the desire for EVs didn't didn't lessen over the course of the next few years. I, I myself was on, on on record as saying that you know it would be very it would be very easy for the government to pull the grant and look in twelve months' time at the demand for EVs and say, well, it's stayed the same. And we've talked about it before, but supply and demand ratios on EVs is something like four to one. Still, when you think the ID3 launched a few weeks ago and it sold out in two minutes and has a waiting list of around 40,000. So that kind of popularity means it would be very, very easy to take negative action and then just point at statistics and say, well, nothing's happened. So that's you know we, we we should think in those lines and and the other thing with vans as well we should observe is and it, it was in the main speech actually was the change to red diesel so this is this is where they have indicated they will listen but they've been very clear that they are dropping the red diesel benefit for all but agriculture as it stands at the moment and rishi sunak has said that he will listen to take consultations from and listen to other industry sectors but at the moment it only applies to the farming and agricultural so that that is a big big change for anybody 
that is affected by that red diesel piece. So we should also uh, mention insurance. Uh, so not too long on this one. So this is an interesting one because at the moment, as, as a number of you will be aware, insurance is subject to a different taxation uh, called insurance premium tax, which is currently set at 13%. Um, and the government have indicated that they want to call for evidence on how this operates in, in their words, which is an interesting one. So, you know, we, we are certainly in that market space, as are, are a number of providers. So it'll be interesting to see what that consultation document means and what they're unhappy about. Well, and, and where they're proposing to take it, what kind of ideas are they kicking around at the moment? Are they looking at... I don't know. I, I, it's been in place for so long. It's almost a, you know, it's like a VAT on insurance. It's it's a staple type of taxation. So what problem are they seeking to address and solve by changing it? It's an interesting one. It is. It is a challenge. So interesting. Big budget. Um, really, really big one for fleets. Good news on company car tax. Good news overall for electric vehicles and the, and the signposting on infrastructure. Good news on investment. Good that the government appear to be listening to things. Good news on fuel duty um, and, and in terms of its freeze, tempered by you know some of the vehicle excise duty news and tempered by some of the complexity. But overall, a really good budget for fleets and, and, a, and, a, and a budget for investment. So that's about it. So um, we've got plenty of content for you podcasters out there. If you want to go to insights.leaseplan.co.uk, we've got the fleet manager's guide to the budget and plenty of content for you, our drivers as well. So I guess it's just thank you, Caroline, once again. Thank you, Matt. And we'll see you soon.